This is The Guardian. For decades, scientists have been attempting to read the human genome, what makes each of us us in its entirety. But there's been one mysterious piece that has stumped them. Until now. The Y chromosome, one of the two sex chromosomes, has finally been fully sequenced. So today we're diving deep into the fascinating story of the Y chromosome to find out about its role in the body, what we know about how it influences everything from male development, health and fertility, all the way to forensics, and why some scientists think one day it could disappear altogether. From The Guardian, I'm Madeline Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Mark Jobling, you're Professor of Genetics at the University of Leicester. And so tell me what you make of these new studies finally fully sequencing the Y chromosome. How much of a step forward is this? Well, I think what they've done is something that people thought for a long time was impossible, which is to determine the DNA sequence of this very difficult little chromosome. So the Y chromosome is small, but it's full of very weird and difficult, knotty bits of DNA that have really resisted sequencing for a long time. So both of these studies have used really new technologies to tackle that problem. And although it's a great achievement, they don't actually tell us a huge amount that's totally new. We had the picture before, it was just kind of out of focus. So if you like, what these have done is it's a bit like turning on high definition TV and that you can suddenly see absolutely everything in its gory details. Now, before we get into why that has been so difficult and more about the Y chromosome itself, perhaps you can go over some basics for me. What are chromosomes exactly? What do they do? Chromosomes are bits of DNA. So our DNA is what determines um, many of our features and determines the cell, the proteins that are made in cells and so forth. And it's information. And our genome is about 3,200 million DNA letters in length. And those are G, A, T and C. So 3,200 million DNA letters, but not in one long string, but broken up into chromosomes. And these are the packages into which genomes are divided So we've actually got two genomes, one from our mum, one from our dad. So we have two times 3,200 million DNA letters. And the number of chromosomes we have in each genome is 23. So considering mum and dad's genome, each of us has 46 chromosomes. So your chromosomes are like the volumes of an encyclopedia. They make the whole process of dealing with DNA cell division more manageable. And so you've got the sex chromosomes, the Y and the X, and you've said the Y is a little weird, it's short. So give me a picture of this chromosome. How does it compare to the X in terms of its structure? Okay, so the X and the Y we find in males because the Y determines maleness, whereas females have two X chromosomes. If you look at the X chromosome, you find a chromosome that looks very much like the other 22 chromosomes in the genome. It's got about a thousand genes on it. It's about 150 million DNA letters in length. 
And then if you compare it to the Y, you've got a very different beast. It's much smaller. The length varies a lot between about 45 and 85 million DNA letters in length. It hardly contains any genes at all, probably fewer than 100. So it's a bit of a gene desert. And if you imagine it as, say, a novel, then most chromosomes are make kind of sense. They start at the beginning and they come to the end and some words crop up here and there again because that's the way language works and that's the same with DNA. But if you look at the Y, it's full of gobbledygook. So it's full of sections in which the same word is repeated hundreds or thousands of times or even the same paragraph is repeated hundreds or thousands of times. And then even worse than that, it's full of bits where an entire chapter is repeated but backwards. So it's like a mirror image of itself within the DNA sequence. And are all those features why it's taken so long to get to this point where we're able to fully sequence the Y chromosome? Yes, they are. And when you come to sequence large pieces of DNA like whole chromosomes, and when you have these repeated sequences, then that really makes it difficult to put the sequence back together. So it's a bit like doing a jigsaw puzzle where you've got the same pieces many, many times, and putting them back together is very hard. The other thing that makes it hard is because actually, although the X and the Y look very different today, they evolved from the same pair of chromosomes. So about 180 million years ago, these were a pair of regular chromosomes. One of them started to become the sex-determining chromosome, determining maleness, and then it subsequently underwent the process of degeneration. So the X chromosome has remained as it was, Whereas the Y chromosome has lost a lot of genes, accumulated these weird bits that make it hard to sequence, but also maintains some similarities to the X. And so you need also to be able to work out which bits of it are on the Y and which are on the X, and then get over this horrible repeat sequence structure inside it. It makes it extremely challenging. Given how strange and unusual the Y chromosome is, what's its role in the body? What does it do? Because it is it is an impo- a very important chromosome. It is, yeah. And the main thing it does under normal circumstances is give rise to maleness. And it does that through just one little gene, which is called SRY. That has the job of triggering the development of a testis early in development. So when you're developing in the uterus, you have a structure which can either become a testis or an ovary, and it just hasn't made its mind up yet. And if there's a Y chromosome there, then it triggers via the action of this little gene, it triggers differentiation into a testis. And if there isn't a Y chromosome, then an ovary develops. So femaleness is the default option in mammals. So what happens next is that once you've got a testis, then it produces androgens, male hormones, and it's those that give rise to the other features of maleness. So it's only contains, the Y chromosome only contains the trigger for the process. It doesn't contain all the other genes you need for the rest of the process. And so determining your sex is either whether you have XX or XY, but are there other iterations of this? Is it possible to have, say, only one X or multiple Ys? And in those instances, can we learn anything about what the Y chromosome does? Yes, there are uh, lots of those examples. So one thing is that you can find women 
in the population who have an X and a Y chromosome. And often, if you look at that Y chromosome, there's nothing wrong with it. When they're born, they appear to be females, and they may have issues, uh, puberty and so forth, which lead them to be undergo medical testing. And one of the reasons for that is that there's a, another gene in the genome actually on the X chromosome, which is the receptor for testosterone. So in those individuals, they have a testis, because they've got a Y chromosome, and they make male hormones but they don't have the receiver for those male hormones. So the cells can't see the hormones. It's called androgen insensitivity syndrome. And in fact, Joan of Arc was rumoured to have had that, but I think the evidence is very uh, slim on that front. So there's that kind of thing that, that happens. You can have a Y chromosome, but um, not be male in some cases. And then you can also lack a Y chromosome and still be male. And that's due to mutations in other genes in the pathway of sexual development. But then there are also examples where some males have two Y chromosomes instead of one. And there has been in the past the idea that that led to increased aggressiveness and criminality, but that's now been debunked. What it does lead to is, is increased stature. So those males are significantly taller than any, than other males who have just one Y chromosome. And you mentioned this shared evolutionary history between the X and the Y. So the X and the Y chromosomes had this same starting point, and yet the Y developed so differently. And as you said, it, it degraded. Do we know why that is in, in simple terms? It didn't need, if you like, a lot of the genes that it already had. So each X has a thousand genes on it. And you might therefore expect that the X chromosomes in females gave twice as much protein, twice as much uh, of the product of those genes as in males who only have one X chromosome. But in fact, in females, what happens is a process called X inactivation, where one of the X chromosomes is, is inactivated. So then males and females are now equivalent. Uh, a male has one X, the female has two Xs, but one is switched off. And so they're balanced. And therefore, the Y chromosome doesn't really need a whole bunch of other genes. And just over time, through rearrangements and being chopped up and put back together again, um, it has lost a lot of the genes that it, that it didn't need. So one, one idea has been that that process might continue and we, we might get to a situation where there is no Y chromosome anymore. That's been discussed, and I think one thing that these uh, recent studies show is that that's not true. Because if you look, you find that there is a set of genes on the Y chromosome that are conserved. So that means those genes must be important. So we're down to, if you like, the minimal set. And actually, we don't know what quite a lot of those genes do. So that's a question that needs to be answered. And yet one place we do know the Y chromosome can be lost is actually within our own cells, as people with the Y chromosome age, it seems to drop away, although that might not be quite the right term. So what's going on there? Do we know why that happens? Well, you're right, it happens. And we don't really know why. We know that there are some genetic predispositions to losing the Y. But if you look at white blood cells of elderly males, then what you see commonly is that cells in which the Y chromosome has been lost. And if you look at males who've lost the Y and compare them with ones who haven't, then you can see that um, they have a higher risk of disease of all kinds and they have decreased survival after hospital admission. You see overrepresentation in cancer patients 
and in males who have Alzheimer's disease. And you also see that people who smoke or males who smoke have a higher risk of losing their Y chromosome. So there are some environmental factors that increase your risk of that loss. It's an interesting aspect that the Y chromosome is often regarded as dispensable, apart from the fact that it triggers the testis development. But clearly, that's not true. Men do have different health outcomes to women. And researchers have looked at whether the Y chromosome could be playing a role generally. But where does the evidence actually stand for that at the moment? Almost all diseases have statistically significant differences between male and female incidence or the course of disease or disease outcomes. And a lot of that isn't really understood. So one possibility is that actually it's the presence of the Y chromosome in males that's making those differences happen. And it's actually quite hard to get to the bottom of this because you've got the Y chromosome there. It has its set of genes. We don't know quite what they do. So yeah, sure, some of those could be causing issues with males or giving rise to differences between the sexes. The other big problem is that the Y triggers the testis development and then the testis makes hormones. And so you've got a different hormonal environment. You've got lots of other differences that have arisen through the life course because of the presence of testosterone. And deconvoluting the effect of, you know, the Y just being there and then the testis being there and all the hormones being there has been a really hard problem. Now, another reason we might want to understand more about the Y chromosome is because it can be really useful in forensics. So tell me about that. Most criminals are males. That's just the statistics. Most violent criminals are males. And the very, very large proportion of sexual offences are committed by males. So that means if those perpetrators are going to leave behind DNA, they're going to leave behind a Y chromosome. And particularly in sexual assault casework, you've got often DNA mixtures with a majority of female DNA and a minority of male DNA. And so if you use a DNA profiling, forensic profiling method that targets the Y chromosome, then you can actually pick up a male-specific profile relatively easily. There are some other more kind of arcane ways in which it could be useful, which is males get their surnames from their fathers, as well as their Y chromosomes. And if you think about that going back through time, if you collect a, a, a set of men called, for example, Attenborough, then if they all descend from some uh, medieval Attenborough, then they should share a Y chromosome with each other. And to a good approximation, they do. So about 90% of men called Attenborough, who are, who are not relatives, as far as they know, they're not brothers or uncle, nephew or anything like that. If you look at their Y chromosomes, they're all the same. So if you have a Y chromosome type, you find it a crime scene, you can ask, can you predict the surname of the individual who carries it? So if you had a good database, you'd be able to do that. And it, it's not perfect, but it does work to some degree. So it's actually an interesting link between DNA and genetics and a kind of social label. So, Mark, we've got a picture of the Y chromosome in HD now. What do you think is left to learn about it? What are some of the big questions that researchers are still interested in answering? I think there's still a lot of work to do on what the genes are doing. And that includes the spermatogenesis genes. We're still not clear about how mutations in those genes 
give rise to different kinds of problems in making sperm and whether any of those can be treated or fixed using, say, gene editing technology. I think that looking at the human Y chromosome in this high definition provides us with the optimism that we can do the same in other organisms. So mammals all have XY chromosome sex-determining systems, but then there are other parts of the kingdom of life that do things differently. So, for example, in birds, they have what are called ZW chromosomes. So I think with these technologies, we'll be able to learn a lot more about how those different chromosomes arise and the common and different features in the structures and sequences of chromosomes that come about because of this weird uh, role in sex determination. Well, Mark, from an XX to an XY, it's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks again to Professor Mark Jobling. This episode was produced by me, Madeline Finley. The sound design was by Tony Onachuku. And the executive producer is Ellie Bury. We'll be back on Tuesday. See you then. This is The Guardian.